Hello there, Creator Pod listeners. We are back with episode 17 of season three, and you are in for uh, an incredible treat tonight as we have one of my favorite worship leaders and uh, hopefully at some point hiking buddies. We'll, we'll tell you a little bit about a hike we almost went on. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and she definitely can claim her New Jersey roots. I had a tourist visa in New Jersey for the start and end of my uh, educational career. Um, but uh, we have the one and only Brittany Parks with us tonight. Um, so glad to have you on the Creator Podcast, Brittany. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. Super excited. And if my voice sounds a little trashed, it's because I just got back from what would have been, well, I guess I, the joke I made was I've waited all my life for my 27th college reunion. Um, we were, we missed our 25th because of COVID and, uh, I spent the weekend on campus with, uh, friends old and new and a sound system that was way too loud. And so, um, actually one of my friends, you'll love this. I, I bumped into somebody I haven't seen in a long, long time. We're on the dance floor and, uh, you know, she's like, okay. so, so what are you up to now? You know? And I'm like, really? We're like standing in front of a subwoofer right now. You want me to give like the whole, my LinkedIn profile? Um, anyway. <laughs> So, but uh, it is, uh, it, it's great to talk with you uh, tonight. We were hoping to get this in on our, our series of interviews we did over the, the Worship Arts Convocation, but that was a, that yeah. was a busy weekend for you, for sure. It, it was, it was good though. And, uh, and that's when we almost went on a hike. You want to, you want to tell us what you were at least supposed to do that weekend with trying to get some, um, some art, some artistic types out into nature uh, at, at the beautiful Camp Lador? Absolutely. Um, so Camp Lador is an incredible spot and there's this waterfall that's on the premises of camp. It's a bit of a hike, nothing too far. I think it's less than two miles there and just a downpour. And it, I cannot hear you. I just lost that. So can you just uh, give, give me that one again? Start um, so with we're uh, at Camp Lador. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're at Camp Lador and this camp is enormous and they have a waterfall and I'm a sucker for a waterfall and I will hike great distances to get to one. And I thought it would be a cool opportunity to bring some people there for potentially their first hike. Uh, it's less than two miles, nothing crazy, but we got rained out and it was such a bummer. And it wasn't just rain, it was the following week leading up to this weekend they got so much snow. So not only was it wet, it would have been trudging through ice and snow. And I was like, eh, I don't want to deter anyone from hiking in the future. So <laughs> we're just going to we're just going to put this on hold. Uh, but it was still a good time of fellowship and just 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 chatting and sharing experiences about the outdoors. It was really good time anyway, in spite of the weather. Absolutely. So, yeah, we had a hiking chat around a uh, around a gas fireplace. Um that, yes. <laughs> that has uh, authentic looking wood, but no, none of that wood will ever be placed in the fireplace. That's Absolute poser of a fireplace. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, yes, we've referenced the fact that, that you are a worship leader. And um, I feel like I've heard this story before, but I don't know if I have. When and how did you first uh, start playing guitar? Um, I was 21, okay. actually. I was so... a late starter, too. Go ahead. Yeah, so by musician standard, that's late, but I've always encouraged people, um, it's never too late to, to start and learn something new, especially an instrument. So I was 21, 
um, I actually was working as a security officer and I had to take a leave of absence for medical reasons. And I uh, fell into a depression, if you will. And my mother was concerned and she was like, um, you want to learn an instrument? <laughs> and I was like, o okay. Uh, and guitar was affordable over piano. And my first guitar was a Kona K2. Okay. Uh, no one will know what that is. Um, <laughs> and I started teaching myself how to play guitar in the attic bedroom that I had at the time. And so you had the benefit of YouTube, I assume, for your for your guitar. Not learning? in the beginning. Okay. I did not. In okay. the beginning, I just learned finger placement for chords. And then I looked up like all of my favorite songs at the time. Got it. Um, Do you remember any of those? With You by Chris Brown. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> so lame. And I had the hardest time because I couldn't play the D chord. And that song, like, yeah, so super hard. But I think the reason, the inspiration for why I chose guitar um, is John Copeland was my worship leader at the Flemington Corps. Friend of the pod. Great human. I love that man. And he definitely is the inspiration and the reason why I play guitar. Well, that's, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good starting point for inspiration. I was actually 26 when I picked it up. Um, nice. I was part of, uh, you know, part of a worship band. Uh, our piano player and his wife were moving away. And, um, and so it was like, you know, they left in June or whatever. And, you know, by the time we got back in the fall, cause I went to camp for the summer with, uh, I was actually working there at the time. And, um, and by the time we got back in September, we needed somebody who knew how to play an instrument, right? We had some vocalists, but, um, so I had a guitar that was a hand-me-down from my, my brother-in-law, Stephen, and, uh, an ovation, one of the, like, oh, the, the, the fat back round back ovations. Now they oh. make them much slimmer, right? They um, like slide off you when you play. Yes. <laughs> Well, and, and thankfully my gut was, you know, large, but not as large as it is now. I don't think I could even play that instrument now. Actually, Riley has that. My daughter has that, um, has that round back ovation now. Um, That's but awesome. so I spent the whole summer, uh, trying to, you know, learn how to play. Uh, I had father, I adore you down by the end of the summer. Um, and I must've played one other song that first Sunday. And I like literally Brittany, those were the only two songs I could play, whatever that other one was. And I, I, I was like, I breathed a sigh of relief. I was like, great, I got through my first Sunday. Then I realized I only had six days to learn two more songs for the next Sunday. <laughs> Under you know pressure. I mean? Yeah, but uh, God is good. Um, another yes. couple moved to that congregation, and uh, he played guitar uh, quite well, but didn't like to sing. And so basically, yeah. Curtis stood behind me actually playing the guitar, I played as much as I possibly could, but I just dropped any chord that I couldn't play. Uh, but I was a confident singer and, um, you know, confidence will cover over a multitude of sins early on too. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that's how I, that's how I got my start. So two, two guitarists who started in their twenties, uh, you have far exceeded my ability in a much shorter time period. <laughs> um, but, uh, I didn't play in front of people for a few years. I think, I think, uh, Chuck Gooden convinced me to go to TAM. Okay. And that's uh, that first year I played guitar and I hadn't started singing and playing until probably a year or so later. 
And so, Tam, uh, we always like to translate for the for the non Salvation Army audience um, that that might listen to this is Territorial Arts Ministries, but specifically you're talking about the uh, Tam Conservatory, right? The Territorial Arts Ministries yes. Conservatory. So that is about a week long end of the summer. You want to talk yep. a little bit about what conservatory is all about? It's a week long end of the summer and there's different tracks for drama, dance, there's visual arts, AV, and then worship band, which whatever instrument you could think of. And and target audience yes. for that is like 14 to, or maybe a little older than that. 14? I I Might feel like 16. it must have been older because I'm pretty sure I was 22 or 3. Well, I'm saying so bottom, I don't know. I think the bottom end is the around bottom. 16. Yeah. Yeah. The and bottom kids is will 16. come from all over the Northeast. Young adults will come from all over the Northeast to the New York area and uh, and have that yeah. experience. Um, Riley did Tim Conservatory. I don't think Sydney ever did, um, even though they share a lot of the same. Uh, interest in terms of, and Sydney's a dancer way more than Riley yeah. was. Sydney's like dancer choreographer Riley was. <laughs> Usually placed in the back of the um, <laughs> of the group in the musical theater um, shows. So, and I think we all know what that means. Um, so, uh, and one of the, we know somebody in common, somebody that I worked at the Salvation Army Camp Tecumseh with, uh, Cindy Foster, um, was part of your experience of coming to the Salvation Army. Tell us that amazing story. Um, Cindy Brown. Oh, Cindy Brown. I'm sorry. Cindy Brown. My fault. Yes. Yeah, Cindy, Cindy Brown. Brown. Um, wild story. I'll keep it short. But <laughs> uh, our family had just transitioned out of... Uh, my mom and I, we were homeless for a little while and we got placed in an apartment in Flemington, New Jersey. And we had been looking for a church. My mom didn't drive and the church we went to was in like Perth Amboy. Well, and not driving and, in Flemington period, that must've been really challenging, right? I mean, Flemington, yeah. New Jersey is near uh, nothing. It's, it's kind of exactly country, right. Like it's, it's out yeah. There. They like a taxi. What was that? You right. know, they had a link bus, which was like a short bus that went like, two places yeah. so um you know feeling kind of stranded there and didn't know anyone and cindy brown literally one day went door to door and invited us and that's really how it began um she was just super faithful and she had three daughters similar in my age so just really wove me into the family and yeah the rest is history love that woman yeah <laughs> um, do you ever think about the sort of sliding doors moment if Cindy Brown never never goes door to door? Like if she never comes to your door, do you ever think about where you might be today? Like what might life be like for you today if that were the case? Oh, absolutely. Uh, sometimes my mind can really wander with that because it definitely was a catch net in the sense of all the things that I had experienced, even at a young age up to that point, I was only 10. Nearly, it was the last two weeks of fifth grade, actually, when okay. I arrived at this town. So imagine end of the school year, you know, no one. Um, it could have been really devastating to a young girl and in a predominantly suburban white area as right. well. 
um, yeah, so I think it definitely saved me from a, a potentially dark time that could have for sure altered the trajectory of my life. Well, I think safe to say a darker time, right? I mean, it sounds like it yeah. already was a dark time um, and it would have been much worse. Yeah. Yeah. So very grateful. And, and Perth Amboy, um, you know, North Jersey, urban area, very, very different from, from Flemington, far more diverse than Flemington for one. Oh, oh um, for sure. And you can walk to everything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so then did you grow up the rest of the way in Flemington? Like, like, did you graduate high school down there and stuff like that? Yeah. So I lived um, in a lot of places up until Flemington. So I brand that as my hometown because I lived there the longest, I believe, around uh, we moved when I was 18 or 19. So around 11 or so years consecutively, yeah. which was unheard of for me. So. Yeah. Um, do you think that moving to that kind of environment is, is part of what inspired you to, you know, get outdoors um, and, and get into the hiking thing? Like uh, talk, talk about how, you know, outdoor Brittany came to be. Um, I think I think outdoor Brittany has always been present. Um, like I remember as a kid, like. Um, like there were areas that were, I'll say wild for sake of like city life where honeysuckle was and, and, you know, those kinds of things. But, um, I didn't, it wasn't modeled for me. It was something that we didn't do. Like those right. people do those kinds of things. And it was definitely when I you mean moved, those people, meaning white people, those people, yes, white people, like you know, white people, white people, yeah, yeah, hiking, keep it hiking, 100. Yes, yes, you know, who's climbing mountains, white people. Um, so that well, was, I, I am proud name. to say, our group has, uh, I feel like we diversify the Appalachian Trail every time, um, that uh, that Richie Sanchez, uh, Major yeah. Richard Sanchez, and, and Major Elijah Khan, um, get out there on the trail and. Paul Valverde was also from Jersey. So we, we have, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've tried to do our part to, uh, you know, make, make the Appalachian trail a little more Brown. And, you know, that, that is super important. And I think because, you know, for lack of representation or, or a narrative of we don't do that kind of stuff or the narrative of out there isn't safe for us. Right. Um, I think definitely built a wall, but I will say that there were several checkpoints um, in my journey that is now uh, externally the outdoor Brittany that are pivotal. Working at camp definitely uh, was huge for me. Um, the camp director at the time, the Kellys, reintroduced the wilderness program to camp so it's where you hike into the woods and you spend the night in like these wall tents. Yeah. And, and, and I, I have to say that I grew up going to Salvation Army camps. I was a camper from age six. I worked as soon as I could possibly work. And it wasn't until later that I realized just how developed Salvation Army camps are compared to some oh, other camps. Like we have absolutely. running water in every building. We have electricity, <laughs> we have, you know, but like for a lot of people, they go to camp and it's like, you know, they're cooking over a fire or they're, you know, using outdoor latrines like Salvation Army camps 
comparatively speaking, are quite cushy. So this uh, yeah. this wilderness experience is a is a, a an experience where you actually go out and get to experience what a lot of people experience when you say camp in the first place, like scouts kind of you know existence out there at, at Tecumseh. So say more about wilderness. Yeah, so I was, I think, 18 or 19 at this summer. So I'd worked at camp since I was 14 at this point. So I've been put in some years, and uh, they reintroduced this. And when I say I was, I fell in love, like, it was, like, you know, hiking these kids out. It, I, I doubt it was a mile. I have right. no concept of the distance um, to stay in, in their the mind, woods. In their minds, it was 100 miles. It was an eternity. <laughs> right. right. Um yeah, but it was awesome. Uh, I think there was an inner pyro that was always present. So building fires was like awesome. I didn't get in trouble for it. Um, <laughs> and I just remember that first night, I didn't even sleep in a tent. I slept in a sleeping bag, literally under the stars. And uh, like, I, I loved every week when we had the opportunity to bring kids out because I was like, this is, this is huge. And just, uh, just a new perspective of the detail of God's design became very different. Um, it just became grander to see these things, however small or large they were, really did blow my mind in a new way. And it helped me to see that even with all these things that are incredible, that are stunning, that are mind blowing, like the Lord looks at me and says that this is, that this is great. Like, so I just, I think it's so important to get kids out there. So that was probably the first invitation, I like to say. Um, and there have been several since then. Um, in regards to hiking, I have to um, say thank you to uh, Pat Labossiere. I've, um, I've had a couple of those moments since then. And I think more recently you know, the last couple of years, uh, feeling almost a, a desire and a responsibility to invite other people into that experience in the same way that an invitation was extended to me in various points and experiences. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I grew up going to camp every summer. Um, but I, I was not like the scouting type or the, like I can, I had some experiences very early on in which um, I think up in New Hampshire, I went on at least one, you know, scouting trip where they actually did cook breakfast over the fire in the morning and stuff like that. Um, but that was definitely the exception, not the rule for me. Uh, yeah. And then my father, when my twin brother and I were um, probably 13, 14, um, decided to take us on some camping trips when we lived in Pittsburgh. And so, so we went like to the Pennsylvania, Ohio border, but my father is not an outdoorsman and not like a, a you know, a mechanically inclined person. Like, you know, he, he grew up in the, in Somerville, Massachusetts. So he grew up, <laughs> you know, surrounded by concrete and, you know, um, so no tent, uh, like his plan was we were going to sleep, I don't know. He was going to lay on the picnic table at the state park and we were both going to lay on the benches. I don't know. 
Um, probably a good thing that it actually rained. And of course, when you are a pastor, your vehicle is a, a 15 passenger van at the time. And so it actually ended up that we just slept in the van because it rained at the state park where we were camping out. Um, the, the one like outdoorsy thing he had was this lantern with one of those like 12 volt batteries, you know, the big like brick batteries. Yes. Um, like a cartridge. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And he brought the card game, uh, Racco and, uh, and we sat around the picnic table and then the big activity the next day was watching other people go whitewater rafting. We were not going whitewater rafting. We were going to watch <laughs> other people do it. Um, no, we, we actually did go to a Cleveland Indians doubleheader against the Boston Red Sox that, that afternoon. So there was a little bit of a plan to it. Um, so when I started getting into, you know, hiking the Appalachian Trail, I really wasn't sure whether I was going to like it or not. I wasn't yeah. sure I was going to excel at it or not. And so I borrowed a bunch of gear for my first trip. And like you, you know, your wilderness camp experience was like my first trip on the AT, my first section hike, I was sold. I was like, yes, yeah. this is my thing, you know? Um, so what is your routine around, around hiking? Do you like to try out new places? Do you like to return to places you've been before? Um, are you a day hiker? Or are you an overnight hiker? Like what's your deal? I haven't done any overnight hiking. It is on my list. Um, I'd say I'm a day hiker or you know, part day, I guess. Um, yep. I love finding new trails, especially like when I'm traveling or if I'm camping somewhere, finding a, a new trail. I do also enjoy familiar stuff. Um, there's a couple of trails that are close to where I am that I probably would say I hike often, like after work. Um, and I think the thing about hiking is you create what your agenda is, if you will. Um, sometimes, you know, it's for the view. And I think something that might be unique about me or my friends will comment on is how often I stop sometimes to look at things <laughs> or things um, that they never saw. And I, I, I've learned and I'm trying to kind of apply that to life. Like sometimes we get so sorry, this thing is not, this thing is not working at all. You're like sounding robotic. So I just don't want to lose oh, all of this. So I am closing windows to try to <laughs> close them all internet here. I'm terrible. I keep way too many things open at a time. Oh, so I do that too. I think I, I, do this, I think I closed like 12. Bit. I think I closed 12 before <laughs> the call. No joke. <laughs> My, my like default, uh, is way too high. I, it's probably closer to 20 that I generally have open at all times. It's a bad thing. Wow, bro. So unfortunately you're going to have to give that great answer about your hiking routine again. Cause I think we lost pretty much all of it. Like it just wasn't intelligible. No worries. So. Um, let's see. I love doing new trails. I, I would say I'm still a cautious hiker, if that makes sense, because there might be a little tiny root of the fear that I had before I started hiking that is present. Like, I like to know what's ahead. I like to know what's right. the elevation. Those things are important for me. So because of that, I don't always wing a hike. Um preparedness is important for me. So I'm prepared for all the things. 
Um, but I love <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I do enjoy doing new hikes. So wait, I, let's break that down a little bit. Cause, cause I've hiked with people who've brought bear spray. Are, are you like, you bring bear spray? No, not, not no. like that kind of. Calamity. I don't have, I don't have bear spray. Um, but like I have a survival tarp, I've got stuff, you know, to make a fire. I carry a pretty decent sized knife and I, and, uh, you know, I feel confident in the skills that I have in, in that sense. So a lot of my friends were like, if I'm going to get lost, I want to be with Brittany. Um, <laughs> that being said, I do also enjoy the familiarity of certain trails because I always see and discover something new. And I think um, it's a kind of a joke among my friends that I hike with is they look forward to seeing the pictures that I take because it's usually of things that they never saw. Um, I, I think it's the mindset of, and I try to apply this to life in general, but I think sometimes we get so fixated on the summit that we don't actually enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. We don't see all of the great things on the way to the summit. And then you get there and you go back and now there's nothing to look forward to, but just kind of. Well, that's that accomplishment culture we have, right? It's like. <laughs> You know, yeah. in, in order to do a hike, you must get to the spot and then, you know, but that's really not what it's about. Yeah. And I think I try to remind people of that because um, it can it can rob you of the joy of it. Like I always say, you know, you're in control of what your agenda is. Sometimes I'm hiking for the summit. Sometimes I'm hiking for the challenge of it or. I wonder if I can hike this familiar trail faster than I did before. Or sometimes right. I literally hike to hammock and have my dinner. Like, yeah. um, so it's, it's literally whatever you want it to be. I think sometimes we get um, trapped in these boxes of how we defined an activity based off of either our own experience or lack thereof or what we've seen. And it limits ourselves. We're like, Oh, I can't hike because I'm not doing the white peaks. I'm just, you know, doing this. Like who, who says that? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? and I think that was part of the magic. I mean, I have issues with Bill Bryson's a walk in the woods because it's the most famous book about through hiking the Appalachian trail. And he didn't through hike the Appalachian trail. He missed 600 miles of 2200. <laughs> like it's not, a, it's an, it's a very significant portion of the trail that he skipped. Um, but the brilliance of that book is that it's called A Walk in the Woods. And I think that really sets an expectation for people. It, it might take out some, I mean, for some, they hear that and it's like, oh, that's fear, right? Like, I don't like the idea of walking in the woods. Um, but that that really is what I've found hiking the Appalachian Trail to, to be, is that the vast majority of the time, you know, you are kind of walking single file. I go out usually with a group of four or five people. So you're kind of walking single file and you're looking around you, but you're also looking at the pack of the person in front of you, you know, for yeah. a good portion of the day. And you, you set the pace, right? Like you set the pace. And I in our case, why... Elijah Khan sets the pace because he is the <laughs> slowest amongst us. And so we learned early to put the slowest hiker in the front. And, um, and, and so that's how we do it. Cause we can all walk at a comfortable pace. If truck stop yeah. is, is up there setting the pace. And I have like, I'm six one. So my strides when I get going can be long. And then I realize right. 
you know, my people are a little bit behind me, but it's not too bad. Well, you must be fine when you're hiking with Sue Kelly, but if you're hiking with April Foster, that's got to be a different scenario, right? There, believe it or not, it's still a two to one ratio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, it works out that I, you know, photography is a love of mine. So by the time I stop for something, they're with me, but I enjoy the diversity in quality time when I'm hiking with either one friend or a group because there's this interesting um, dance is the only way I can think about it where you're walking with one person and then a little bit later you're walking with another person and we can be having a completely different conversation but it's like these waves of you know really good quality time and sometimes you're just walking together silently or you're catching your breath or yes. you're getting yep. some water um or you're gonna you know sit by the stream um you know it's it's really it really can be what you want or need it to be and i think that's what's most important for me when I tell people about hiking or the importance of getting outdoors. Like we don't need to complicate it. Like if getting outdoors for you is bringing your book and sitting in a park like that, that's still a win, you know? Yes. Yes. We are uh, way too naturally house cats these days. So you talked a little bit about uh, representation. I think it certainly applies, you know, on the trail. Um, But also, uh, I could not think of another female guitarist of color in the Salvation Army faith tradition. Have you encountered another one? Um, Now that you say that, (laughs) I can't say I can't say that I have. Right. I, I mean, I've met, you know, certainly have. Felipe Concha, you know, plays guitar. There have been some other people, I think, um, in uh, in Unbound. I mean, when you have 37 guitar players, chances are somebody's <laughs> not going to be white. Um, but as far as I can remember, I cannot think of another female person of color who's played guitar, um, at least who's in the Eastern a, Territory. Who's not a soprano, also. <laughs> who's not what? Who's not a soprano, also. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's um, true. That's true. I feel like... Um, because just singing with you a couple of weeks back, uh, you know, with you leading worship, I was like, oh, Brittany actually like sings songs closer to my register than, uh, you know, than a lot of people do. So I appreciated that. I do. I do what I can. Um, yeah, <laughs> it it's true. It's something that I think I thought about a lot and I have moments where it'll wash over me, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically when... Um, I've had the privilege to lead at youth events. I am re-reminded of how important that is um, because young people will come up to me or, you know, you can see familiar youth around the territory and someone will say, I'm learning guitar. Um, And those are that's a big deal. Like I, I count it as like a huge honor and privilege that I can mirror those things for, for young people. Cause I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. It really, it really blows my mind sometimes. <laughs> well, and it's fascinating because, you know, there have been generations of African-American brass players within the Salvation Army, 
Um, yeah. You know, our, our own bandmaster at, at Arcor, Roe Winnington, has been around, you know, for four or five decades, um, you know, teaching kids. And um, and then Major Yearwood as well has, you know, uh, or our Sergeant Major, sorry, Sergeant Major Gooding, uh, you know, to put a horn in lots of kids' hands. Yeah. Um, and I can think of people, um, you know, at Harlem Temple and at, you know, some other some other places um, on in the brass side, you know, the Salvation Army organ. Um, but when it, when it comes to, you know, guitar and worship leading, um, it is, uh, a pretty white, uh, pretty white group white, yeah, but, I white mean, I guess on the male side. Yeah. On the male it's, side, there's some, so there's some diversity creeping in, but yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a majority white male in terms of, uh, I hate to use the word title, but like worship leader, quote unquote, it's, that's usually what you think of, or, you know, nowadays someone with a man bun and some ripped jeans, (laughs) no shade on that. No shade on that. Uh, Do you? Um, I'm sure I have a vibe that's, that's very different, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty mind blowing sometimes when I think about it. So you said Chris Brown was one of your early inspirations, but like, was there ever like a, a music dream outside of worship leading for you? Like, you know, picking it up at 21, um, I would assume that that you were like, I, I'm not going to be, you know, the next Tracy Chapman or something. But um, but I don't know, like what, you know, yeah. what was it about um, music that you initially connected with? And I think I always loved music. Uh, I don't read music, so uh, that felt always felt like a boundary. Um, growing up, I'm dyslexic, so just levels of insecurity around those kinds of things. And I was like, look, regular words, and now you want me to read dots. Like, chill. Right. <laughs> um, so I never aspired to be a musician. I rarely even call myself that. I think for that season, it was... Uh, a like a lifesaver that was like thrown out and I mm-hmm. clung to it and I always say guitar time equals God time like I feel like on the same wavelength when I play guitar like I'm literally in the presence of the Lord and I started playing you know songs in the radio I think I ran out of songs and I asked my dad and he was like oh learn how to play Jack and Diane And, you know, obviously, you know, going to uh, the core, my Salvation Army Church and, you know, being around John Copeland, I began to learn, you know, worship music. And I never thought I would play in front of a soul. (laughs) And, you know, to be completely transparent, my favorite style or method to lead worship is just so casual like let's just sit in a room on a couch uh if i can be on the floor as opposed to a a platform i prefer it because it feels more like it's us together and not Mm -hmm. me up there so i never already being six one right yeah you already six one under lights you know right tats you know black with a guitar it's just like what's whoa what's happening so um (laughs) Yeah, I never, I never thought. And as, you know, as I began to lead, I think for the first time in front of human beings, (laughs) 
was when I worked in Atlantic City and it, we had a lot of seniors, so they were hard of hearing anyway. So I was just like, yeah, this is fine. But it wasn't actually until I moved to New York um, for my job at headquarters where I started leading at Chapel. Doug Barry, I blame him, said, hey, I'm not around. Can you lead worship for this chapel? And that literally is kind of how it started leading in front of Well, people. but that makes some sense, too, because Doug, when he was on the podcast, Doug talked about, you know, sort of what a shy worship leader he is. Like, he talks about the fact that he doesn't really like the attention factor of, of leading worship either. Oh, I, if I could... and. My friends get upset with me when I say this because they think it's so extreme. But if I could lead behind a curtain, I would be a okay. Because it's who was that like... artist where you could never see your face? Was it Sia? Oh, Sia. Yes, I won't yeah. be that dramatic. You would be like the Sia of the worship leaders. <laughs> see, I'm the exact opposite because you know I'm, my voice is not that great. I am a mediocre guitar player, so it's all charisma for me. Like that's all I have. Um, so and an awesome yeah. beard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 such a humbling experience, and I often think, like, why or how did the Lord choose me for this? Um, so much so that I actually have a tattoo on my right forearm because there are times when I'm leading where I feel like the enemy really tries to psych me out. And because it's my strumming hand, like, you know, when you look down or when I hang my head, I'm just reminded of the fact that the Lord has called me to sing his truth over people. And we pick at the Israelites a lot for not remembering, but we forget ourselves on the daily. So uh, it's just a reminder for me, like, I, I chose you. I chose you for it and I will equip you. And it's amazing what the Lord is doing and what he continues to do. And yeah, legit blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've seen you with, with large groups. And then just a couple of weeks ago, got to see, you know, you were the worship leader for the, the Bible bowl and Jesus theater weekend up there at long point. Do you have a, a preference of uh, the solo deal versus the, the group? worship experience you know when you're when you're with your girls with uh you know with alexis oh, and alexa and emily oh yeah I can oh talk did about i just them. say alexis oh my it's... gosh i'm so tired sorry i won't i won't when tell you with I won't your tell girls I'm, I'm gonna redo that so that i can take <laughs> out the part where i start okay alexis. okay go ahead go ahead go ahead okay um do you have a, a preference of of leading worship solo or you know certainly i've seen you with your girls with alexa and emily like you know what's your I see the smile on your face, which already says the answer. Uh, I adore them. And I think my music journey really started with them, which a lot of people don't know. But that summer where I went to TAM, the uh, Arts Conservatory, we were all in the same group. And we branded it Lady Band because it was myself <laughs> Alexa, Emily, a friend of ours, Boleyn, John Jackson was the drummer, and Doug Barry was on uh, guitar. So we call it Lady, Bla Lady Band plus uh, Doug and John. 
Yes. Um, well, John Jackson is the is the swing drummer for anybody that needs one, like yes. at any time. So yeah. So I think my my journey of of playing and singing openly around people started with them. So there's there's definitely a richness richness to that, and because of our friendship. There's a level of communication that is invisible to everyone that happens when we lead, which uh, is priceless. Um, so I can't say I have a preference. I enjoy I enjoy solo because I feel like just the sound is simpler. And I love just hearing. I love when the voices in the room overpower the sound that I'm making. Like, I just feel like it's kingdom, like just hearing all of the voices. So you don't get that when you have a massive band and with technology, you now have in-ear monitors, so you don't even always hear the room. Uh, so I feel like the smaller or the less tech, the better, I would right. say is probably my preference. But I do get to yeah, play I, with some really awesome ascended. people. <laughs> I have not even ascended to in-ear monitors at this point. I'm still a I'm still a wedge monitor guy wherever I lead worship. So it is it is ask Doug. It is my least favorite thing in the yeah. world. Um, yeah. So I still get I'm still getting used to that when I get to play with all of those guys. But yeah, well, I, we have one. We have a regular segment that we do uh, on the podcast that's called The Pulse. So it's five questions, um, and, uh, and we'll just run through them, and that's kind of how we, how we close out the podcast. Awesome. Let's take The Pulse. First question is, what are you watching? Wow. I watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> Any, um, any particular streams of YouTube? Are you on chiropractor YouTube? Are you on, uh, you know? I'd say maker, like I'm really into woodworking. That's a little okay. not so secret, but not super public hobby. Like people who know, know. Um, I'm really into woodworking, design. What scale, what scale of woodworking? Like Darrell makes, you know, pretty big things. He can make furniture yeah. he makes guitars like um, I, I haven't so. made a guitar yet but I have made furniture uh, I have a pretty significant build in my car specifically for camping I've built you know end tables the sideboard in my dining room right now okay. uh, yeah I've got a pretty ridiculous amount of tools and it's funny because I live in such a tiny apartment so like when I make right. something it's a commitment that there will be sawdust on my windowsill somehow um, right. <laughs> so yeah a lot of um, maker things like that I've been really kind of looking in really into bushcrafting recently so um, there's a couple of guys there's not a lot of women um, so there's that, but there's a couple of guys that, um, I think are, are really good at, you know, teaching and stuff. So I, I feel like a lot of those videos that I watch, the thing gets sped up. So they make something, you know, they make some sort of shelter, um, <laughs> but you don't actually see much of the process. You see them just as they're like yeah. moving through and, you know, making their shelter and then the thunderstorm comes and they just got the <laughs> fire lit in time and stuff like that. I do. Uh, I do watch some of those. 
Um, well, I was attempting to watch Stranger Things with our two daughters, um, but our 17-year-old, you know, now that she finished school and in the week leading up to graduation, she skipped right ahead of her older sister and, and me. So Savage. Only, uh, Riley, Riley and I have watched two episodes, but I've got to finish it because she's leaving soon for her summer internship. So we got to finish um, this latest uh, installment of Stranger Things. Yeah, um, did I you ever get on that train? Believe it or not, I I'm always made fun of because I don't watch a lot of like quote unquote television. Because uh, growing up, like you you watched movies and you had to sit in silence, or like we just didn't have cable, so I've right. never really been into the rhythm. There was a season where I was super, and I could say I'm still into Law and Order SVU. I don't know why, okay. but that and like Criminal Minds <laughs> for a little bit were my jam. Uh, but yeah, I think so, don't be of, apologetic that you don't watch a lot of TV. Like that's, <laughs> that I means think, you're actually living your life. That's good. Just and I, yeah. Going. And I think the things that I consume like on YouTube, I feel like are things that I either plan on actively using. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but I do know the theme song to Stranger Things, if that counts. <laughs> there we go. Well, speaking <laughs> of theme songs, what are you listening to? Um, let me pull up my Spotify. I listen to a lot of types of music. Right now, I'm on an instrumental kind of lo-fi hip-hop kind of vibe is what I feel like is kind of always playing. Um... I listen to a lot of Maverick City uh, for, I'm just loving all the collabs that they're doing. I feel like they're really doing an awesome job at folding in so much of the kingdom into what they're doing. Um, and a lot of times I'll play their videos on YouTube in the background, just cause I feel like there's just so much contagious joy in uh, their worship. So. I'd say a lot of that and just some lo-fi instrumental stuff as of late. Well, leading up to my uh, 25th, nay, 27th college reunion, I was listening to uh, a lot of the music that was playing in the dorms uh, during my time there. So it was a lot of, a lot of 90s. Um, and uh, nice. trying to pull out some of that, that more like obscure stuff. Like, you know, yeah, yeah it's really easy to like, you know, uh, play smells like teen spirit or whatever but like yeah uh, i was going for you know cannonball by the breeders or um That's and this awesome. song was huge but like edie brickell and the new bohemians um they, they had this song in 88 i can't uh i'm not aware of too many things i know what i know if you know what i mean i don't even know what the title of that song is but um but uh, yeah, so I was listening. I there's actually a playlist from our from our class that I had a hand. in. Oh, that's fun! Um, and so I've just been living in nine. And then of course, like the '90s dance music, the the D light, oh, and the B52s, and um, and all that stuff. So, um, and I spent the weekend um, dancing with really sweaty middle aged people to um, you know to all of that dance music. So the, um, the time of your life, of and that's. That's the fun thing about playlists. It's like the new mixtape. Remember, like, that was yes. the thing. Like, I'm friends with you. Here's a mixtape. Now it's like, let me send you my playlist. <laughs> well, and we're all like, you know, doctors, lawyers, teachers, parents. But, you know, 
if you if you turn on a certain salt and pepper song, we're all 19 again, you know, and that was absolutely so all the lyrics, all the ad lib. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The the people who who are quoting every single word like and and, you know, uh, one of them, like I like Big Butts comes on, you know, Sir Mix-a-Lot yeah. comes on and like, you know, these all people the words. who are super intelligent and respectable in every single word. Like right on point with the lyrics to Sir Mix a lot. I was like, this is wild. If they're teams that they lead back home, you know, could see this. <laughs> One of them's a law professor. I was like, if her law students could see her right now, they would hilarious. lose their mind. <laughs> they would. They would absolutely lose their minds. Uh, what are you reading? Currently? Or listening to. I am an audiobook junkie. I don't read anything. I just listen to audiobooks. I'm listening to, um, do you know Jackie Perry by any chance? I do not. Uh, Jackie Perry is a, a minister. Her and her husband, they do 30 minutes with the Perrys, and they just talk about okay. all sorts of things, from silly things to the Trinity to, uh, yeah, being a parent. Uh, and I just really enjoy it. I feel like for me... I, I am more inept to sit and listen to something mm-hmm. than to than to sit and read something from cover to cover. I think part of that is, you know, my history with reading. And I think another right. part of that is just my learning style. If I hear it, it's in my brain for an eternity. And if I actively do it, there's no chance of undoing it. Like, so, right. Right. Um, but yeah, right now that's been, that's been really awesome to listen to. Um, just a unique perspective. Um, and she's also a woman of color who's, you know, preaching and teaching. Uh, yeah. So, and her story, her testimony is incredible. So check out Jackie Perry. Well, I just finished um, Brandy Carlisle's uh, audio book. Um, it's called Broken Horses. Uh, okay. And really fascinating. She grew up, um, you know, in a strong, strong faith tradition um, uh, probably, you know, does not, you know, share, uh, our same faith these days, but it's certainly a spiritual person. Um, yeah. but the cool thing about Brandy's book is she would, um, you know, it's her memoir and she would tell a portion of her life, um, that connected to a song in some way. And then at the end of that chapter of the audiobook, she played the song. Um, and it wasn't like a, a previous recording or anything. It's just her with her guitar, um, specifically recorded for the book. Um, and that was incredibly cool. And then she talks about some of her relationships, you know, uh, her friendship with Elton John and, um, and, uh, Joni Mitchell and all these different people. Um, yeah, it was really, it was fantastic. So that sounds um, awesome. And now, now I think I'm a Brandy Carlisle fan, uh, as a result of reading Broken Horses. So, uh, what is God saying to you is our next question. He's saying a lot. But specifically, I have felt a conviction and a responsibility to share that uh, the Lord has been saying to me, why have you stopped dreaming? Because just there's so much uncertainty, just all the things of life and then all the things in these last couple of years. And Mm. I feel like it's really stomped out some things and I feel like I see it a lot in other believers like like 
the Lord has given us dreams and he has intentions to bring those to fruition. So like dream, (laughs) Um, you know, and it will be exceedingly more like, so yeah, I feel like the Lord's saying like, why have you stopped dreaming? And I feel like I am dreaming again. And there are things that I have never seen modeled in my life. There are things that I see as impossible and I can't fathom how, but I'm excited about it. Even in my, you know, sometimes fearful nature. Um, and that's been really life-giving on the day to day. Um, like just the joy of that dream and seeing like, you know, how's this going to play out? Cause this dream is real. How's right. this going to play out? So yeah, yeah, just, you know, no, it's a good point. I mean, Ephesians three twenty, you know, more than you can ask or imagine, and and that's difficult. Exceedingly like more. You don't know, you, you don't know when the next you know variant is coming, and what the you know what the next thing is, and life has been so uncertain. You know when the next you know mass shooting is going to be when you know yeah. Um, and and so that you're absolutely right that over the past two years we've all been living with this sort of tamped down dream, uh, you know, kind of kind of scenario. So that's an excellent word to. Um, to, to open us back up to the to dream. I love that. Um, I would say uh, because of the season of life that Jen and I are finding ourselves in with yet another child just graduating from high school, um, the Lord is saying, you know, trust the job that you've done as a parent. Um, mm. when, when your kids leave home, it is this incredibly bittersweet thing because it's all that you want. You want them to be able to go and live independently and to have their own lives. Um, and our kids are great people. Like, I don't, you know, like I, you feel like, Oh, I'm losing this awesome person. It's like when a friend moves away, Yeah. Um, you know? So, uh, this morning I, I took her out to breakfast and, and managed to make it all the way until the drive home before I started to break down, um, telling her how much I'm going to miss her when she's gone. Um, hmm. but then also you just have to trust that you've done, you know, the, the right job of bringing your kids up in the faith and bringing them up to be good people and to be good friends. And we've always said kindness among, above everything else. And absolutely our kids have gone on to achieve great things, but they're great, great friends, all three of them. So, um, but yeah, that's a tough, it's a tough period of life when, when you're, you know, letting the birds out of the nest, we're not pushing them out of the nest. It's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's the time, but um, yeah. That, so, and that's a huge, a huge win. I would say as I feel like friendship is such a watered down word, but for Mm -hmm. you to be able to say that your kids are great friends, like that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And our last question is uh, what are you creating? I am creating I'm creating the dream <laughs> um, step by step. We didn't really get into your songwriting. Are you writing songs these days? Future episode. Ri- we'll have to talk about your songwriting. Yeah. We'll talk future episode for sure. Uh, I'm still always writing. Uh, music is such a part of me. It's always always in my head, uh, sometimes super silly, sometimes uh, way too deep for myself even. Um, so music <laughs> is <laughs> music is always a thing, but... Um, I think since I've, uh, the ability to dream has been restored, I think 
just actively making steps, even if it doesn't seem like it matters at the moment, whether that's knowledge, whether that's um, experiences. Uh, yeah, and I'm always making something with my hands. Like I'm always <laughs> building something. I just built, uh, you know, the Stanley metal lunch boxes? Uh, yeah. So I've turned one, I have one that has become basically this loose, loose leaf tea, coffee, brew, like full on kit. And I'm obsessed with it. So that's what nice. I made, created recently, as in like three days ago. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I have this, um, I have this silly little uh, t-shirt business on the side. I have a shop uh, called Boxer Beard Co. It's up on um, Redbubble, uh, which is mostly the stickers, but you can get shirts and apparel there too. Okay. And then okay. also Tee Public. Um, and for the most part, you know, I'm making these shirts. Some of them are spiritual themes. Some of them are based on like pop culture or whatever. Um, but I don't really get to see anybody wearing the stuff I make because it's just a random stranger will buy the shirt. You know, sometimes in like the Czech Republic, it's bizarre. Um, but I don't You're... really get to see people wearing it. Um, but I, I made a shirt for our, our uh, reunion this weekend. It was supposed to be our 25th reunion, but it ended up being 27 years since we graduated. So, um, so it says 27th reunion, you know, class of 1995. And, uh, and what was cool is that uh, I, I had put it out there that, you know, I'd sell these shirts. All the proceeds would go to a nonprofit that one of our classmates created um, right there in New Haven. And it's a great uh, organization that she founded. Uh, but I got to reunion and people were wearing my shirt uh, and T public. You can buy it on a hoodie. You can get it on a long sleeve. Oh, you can get it. Awesome. And so it was really neat to see everybody wearing this, uh, this design. That's so awesome. So basically you're global. That's what I, that's what I'm hearing. Creator pod listeners, what you don't know, uh, hopefully if the edit turns out well, is that uh, Brittany and I have had all kinds of problems with internet during this episode, and this is our third time around actually losing the connection completely. Um, all my fault, not hers, but uh, Brittany, has been such a pleasure to have you on the Creator Podcast, and as we referenced, this is your first time on the podcast, but of many, uh, we'll have to really dig into the songwriting thing yeah. um, at a later date. I want to hear some of your songs that are really silly and way too deep, even for yourself. Um, that this sounds like a fascinating conversation, so we'll definitely have to pick that up. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I don't know if I'll see you at any um, big Salvation Army events uh, over the summer, but you know, it usually usually happens one way or another. So um, have a great summer, and uh, and thanks for joining us on the Creator Podcast. Yeah, no doubt. Until next time. I don't know if I've lost you, Drew.